Coming up on Stu Does America, Blaze TV's own Sarah Gonzalez swings by the set, and I think we got a little announcement cooked up for you that you might be interested in. And Janice Dean is here to tell us about the uplifting stories in her new book, Make Your Own Sunshine. I think we could use just a little extra sunshine these days, so thank you for providing that, Janice. Hello and welcome to Friday. We did it. We're here. We did it. We made it through the week. Be sure not to miss me over the weekend by following my Instagram page at Stu Does America. You get exclusive content and the link in the bio takes you to my website where, of course, you can stream the show completely free on your favorite platform. Uh, a bombshell new exclusive from the Daily Mail has brought Hunter Biden back into the politosphere. So we'll dig into the allegations and like so many people, mainly prostitutes have done before us, we'll do Hunter Biden. Stu does America. Oh, there's a lot of news on the Hunter Biden front. He's got a new book out. I'm sure you've already picked it up and read through it and it's very honest and tell all from the source himself, Hunter Biden. And he's been doing a little bit of a book tour making the rounds. I still don't comprehend why he's doing this. I mean, if I'm Hunter Biden, I'm never going on camera again. I'm just going to hide and hope everyone forgets about me. But Hunter has a different plan. He went on Jimmy Kimmel and talked about his little uh, rendezvous over there in the Ukraine. I do want to talk about this, you know, the Ukraine yeah. and or Ukraine and um, yeah. and it became some an issue. It became something. It gave yeah. Donald Trump something to grab onto. Yeah. He almost got well. He did get impeached yeah. as a result of it. But yeah. um, you wrote, "Did I make a mistake by taking a seat on the board of a Ukrainian gas company? No. Did I display a lack of judgment? No. Would I do it again? No." Yeah, and I I meant what I said. I meant what I wrote. Is that uh, you know. Go to the beginning is that, you know, I went to Yale Law School. Um, I served on uh, at least a dozen boards before Burisma. I was a vice chairman of the board of Amtrak. Um, I was a chairman of the board of the uh, World Food Program U.S., largest, uh, supporting the largest humanitarian organization in the world. I had an expertise in corporate governance. I was asked to serve on the board for corporate governance. Mm. And I was a lawyer at um, Boy Schiller and Flexner, which was how I was first approached. However, what I didn't take into account was the way in which they would use the perception oh. against my dad. Uh, and yeah. for that, I, 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 have, uh, I, I wouldn't do it again for that reason. Mm, yeah, and I, I love how he's like, I, I had a lot of personal accomplishments. I was, I, I was on the board of Amtrak. You mean the thing your dad talks about all the time? That's your, <laughs> that's your evidence. Amazing. Uh, yes, he, he, he basically, it's, this is the thing where you kind of do this thing where you're like, well, do I have any regrets over that scandal? Yes, I wish I explained myself better. That's kind of what he's going to here. Pretty weak. Uh, he also talked about uh, uh, the laptop scandal. Now, remember, this was a big thing right before the election. The media basically did a complete freeze on this at the time. Here's Hunter on his laptop. I've seen you on I've seen you on some interviews and, uh, you know, talking about the laptop. This became yeah. this big thing, the laptop. And when they ask you if that was your laptop, you say you don't know, which yeah. is hard to believe unless you read the book. Yeah. And then it's kind of like, I'm surprised you have shoes on. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know yeah. <laughs> good I made it. I made it today. Pants were the problem. Pants were the problem. <laughs> Yeah. Pants are always yeah, the problem, always the really. Problem. Yeah. yeah. No, you know, look, I really don't know. And the fact of the matter is, it's a red herring. It is absolutely red herring. But 
I am what? absolutely, um, I think, within my, my rights to question anything that comes from the, uh, from the desk of Rudy Giuliani. Um, and so I don't know is the answer. I, I mean, frankly, that's a fair point in some ways. Like, yes, he's a political opponent. You'd think maybe, I, I think everybody thought, I don't know, is this real? But when he wouldn't say it wasn't his laptop, it's hard to, uh, to count it out. And then all the details, the pictures, the texts, everything, it's really impossible to imagine that it's not his laptop at this point. And the Daily Mail seems to have it. Uh, they seem to have the laptop or a copy of the hard drive. They have a new story out. It's called uh, Exclusive, What Wasn't in Hunter Biden's Book, How We Got Unauthorized Secret Service Protection, Begged Joe to Run for the White House to Salvage His Own Reputation, and Made Porn Films with Prostitutes. Not exactly the headline you would want. Uh, he also says he... Uh, and then, <laughs> there you go. By the way, there's a dog on the bed as they're making the porn films. That's always a good maneuver. Uh, <laughs> um, so you, you see pictures like that. They're salacious, sure. Uh, it's kind of understandable. Um, and there's other kind of salacious stuff that's been making the rounds a lot on social media. For example, real drug problem for Hunter, as you may know. Uh, he seems to have the meth mouth going. Uh, do we have the picture of him at the dentist? Uh, now... <laughs> That is just un, unfortunate. Uh, it just does not. His teeth do not look do not look good. He looks like he's got a bunch of Tic Tacs stuck in his gums. That is not a good look. Uh, <laughs> um, and it was weird because uh, he was really like there was a, a, a strange dentist thing that went on. There's a lot of text here. I can't give you all of it. There's so much in the story. Honestly, go to the Daily Mail and check it out. I don't think anyone's even questioning whether this is real at this point he had a back and forth with uh with his dad on the topic of the dentist uh, joe biden says do you want me to do anything about Maisie's dentist bill that's his granddaughter i was supposed to be paid yesterday says hunter but eric is holding the check in one of my accounts that he has access to his leverage to have me agree to some demand he has also the first i was told about the bill was an hour before she went into surgery of the uh, of the money i did earn last month 80 percent went to kathleen and the rest mainly the girls uh, loving father here uh, Hunter goes on, so I'll pay it when I have money to pay it. But I think you guys are unreasonably scared of Kathleen. She's done the worst she can do with no pushback from anyone. And despite everyone's impression, I'm far from incapable of handling this. I'll pay you back the IRS and the girls and the rest of the bills going forward. I was 26 days late on alimony once and only once. It won't happen again. If you've ever had someone who's going through real problems, whether it's like mental illness or drug addiction or something like this, this looks all too familiar to you. I mean, this is like tech, rambling texts, bizarre stories, telling everybody all sorts of stuff. Who knows what's true? Who knows what's not true? And Joe actually comes off in some ways kind of like a, a sad but loving dad. He says, uh, you need not pay me back. What do you want me to do? Pay the dentist? Anything else? Can you give me an address so I can forward your mail? I'm reluctant to open it, but it has uh, life insurance. I, please uh, let me know. I, I love you. Do you want me to open up your business mail or send it? I need an address. On and on and on and on this go it goes. And you kind of get the sense that really uh, Joe realizes how bad his son is and what, what kind of position he's in. And, and Hunter comes off as really a douche throughout this entire uh, period. Now, look, Joe Biden entering into corrupt arrangements to protect his son from his terrible activities is still a, you know, a crime if he did it. Uh, and it's still highly questionable, even if uh, it, it is technically above board. Uh, but remember, this isn't really a story as much about Joe Biden and Hunter Biden right now. We need to deep, uh, dig a little deeper on, into that, of course. But the media 
would not let the story be told. We now know it's basically true, right? We've seen the laptop. We've seen all the pictures of him with the prostitutes. We are there. And you look down the road here. Remember, you remember him in your rearview mirror a little bit right before the election. Here's something uh, Drew Holden, of course, put together a great thread on this. You should always follow Drew because he's always got the goods. Um, the CBS news director uh, reprimanded a reporter for asking Joe Biden a tough question about it. About it. I mean, seriously? We go on. MSNBC. Uh, Drew says, I almost appreciate the hustle from MSNBC, who's continued to go to back for, bat for Hunter throughout all of this. Even if their tone has changed well a touch, it used to be Hunter Biden's story on uh, an obvious Russian plot. Now it's, we know very little at this point. Oh, of course. Uh, CNN. To me, this is just classic textbook Russian tradecraft at work. Uh, now it's uh, Justin, uh, President-elect Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, says he's facing a tax investigation by the U.S. US Attorney's Office in Delaware, which is a known conservative hotspot that you, you that the district attorney's office in Delaware on the Biden family. I mean, can you get a more conservative outlet than that? The, the NPR was probably the worst on this. NPR tweeted this. Why haven't you seen any stories from NPR about the New York Post's Hunter Biden story? Read more in this week's newsletter. And the newsletter said, we don't want to waste our time on stories that are not really stories. And we don't want to waste the listeners and readers time on stories that are just pure distractions. Well, I mean, obviously that wasn't true. I mean, there was a lot to the story. It was absolutely true. If you want to talk about media organizations, NPR, probably the most guilty, though. There was a lot of guilt all over the place. Twitter, though, set a new standard. Twitter actually said this. They said, our policies are living documents. We're willing to update and adjust them when we encounter new scenarios or receive important feedback from the public. One such example is the recent change to our hacked materials policy and its impact on accounts like the New York Post. What was the account? Uh, what was the impact on that account? They banned them in the middle of an election. The oldest newspaper uh, in the United States was banned from Twitter for writing the story, which we now know was true. They might not have liked the impact, but they actually were said telling people the link was unsafe. Don't click on this New York Post story. It might be unsafe. Uh, Jack eventually from Twitter came out and said our communication around our actions on the New York Post was not great. And we shouldn't have blocked the URL uh, as to zero context as to why we're, we were blocking. It was unacceptable. But, you know, it was a little too little too late. This is the middle of the election. And now they're going to admit that this story was true when it could have made an impact on a very close election. To the point of like, now people like Chris Hayes are waking up and saying, oh, oh, wait a minute. Was this true the whole time? He tweets, so like, did we ever find out the actual deal with the Hunter laptop? I mean, maybe the wildly improbably story about it was dot, 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 true? Or maybe it was a cover story for a hack. But do we know? It's a great question, Chris. Do we know? Do we care to know? It seems like right now the media is finally giving us a little bit of an investigation as to what actually happened with this laptop. But they did something intentional here. And what, that's what's most important. When, when the election was on the line, they made a decision to be activists instead of journalists. They said it's more important for Donald Trump to be out of office than for us to maintain our journalistic principles. They didn't care. The entire media jammed the story into the dirt and left only the New York Post to to write about it. And then even then, they wouldn't even let them tweet their own freaking links to the story. It's absolutely embarrassing. And there needs to be people who are held accountable for this. Back in a second. Who does.
Have you been watching home prices lately? If you're thinking about selling a home, now may very well be the right time to do it. Have you been thinking about maybe downsizing or upsizing? Uh, right now might be a good time to go to realestateagentsitrust.com. Get the best real estate agent in your area because this could be a big win for you uh, right now. Whether you're buying or selling a home, it's really important to make sure you get the best price. But more than that, you need someone who's going to be a partner with you throughout this transaction to help you get the the, the house fixed up the right way to make it show, staged the right way for the maximum return. Uh, and, you know, someone who's going to know, hey, this is a good deal. This is a bad deal. Go this way if, if you want the best price possible. Uh, you can get more information on who the best real estate agent is in your area by going to realestateagentsitrust.com. That's the place to go. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Check it out now. Realestateagentsitrust.com. I'm thrilled to welcome back to the program one of my favorite people. She's the senior meteorologist of Fox News and the author of the new book, Make Your Own Sunshine, Inspiring Stories of People Who Find Light in Dark Times. Of course, I'm talking about Janice Dean. Janice, thanks so much for coming back. Oh, my gosh. It's a pleasure. Always do. <laughs> uh, I found the book to be really interesting, I think, because my impression I mean, you had a big bestseller before, Mostly Sunny. And you have another book coming out. Of course, no surprise, they're going to want another book from you. Um, and I, I was, I don't know, as I was, I was thinking about it, I was like, it's a good time for a book like this because you're talking about inspiring stories. However, my impression was like, here's a book that's going to come out in a time where everyone's kind of down going after going through the pandemic. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a nice pick me up. I was kind of surprised to see how much of it actually occurred during the pandemic, you were able to look through that really dark period and find some really great moments. It was such a wonderful time for me to talk to these people. The reason being, I think, you know, you know, my story, my family story, my husband lost both of his parents to COVID in nursing homes. I've been very vocal about that. And I appreciate all the work that you've done to help me with that. Mm. But yes, during this time, I was also writing this book. And I never realized, you know, writing it, I wanted to share these amazing stories of people being kind and spreading, spreading kindness like sunshine. I never realized the person that would take the most from this book is me and my family. Because as I was writing it, I was telling my sons, you know, they'd always be like, mom, who are you talking to today? What person, what story are you going to write about? And I would say, oh, well, I'm talking to Garth Callahan, the napkin notes dad who wrote napkin notes to, to his uh, daughter, Emma, when they were little, when she was a little girl. And now she's in college. And the story is that he got diagnosed with cancer and thought he wasn't going to live. So he wrote hundreds of napkin notes to make sure that his daughter would always have one every day until she went to college. He's still alive. He's still around. He's doing really well. So I talked to Garth and why he wanted to write those napkin notes. And I also decided to talk to Emma to find out why those napkin notes meant so much to her. So I would share those with my family during this really dark time and how ironic that this book was helping me the most. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I you know, going through this uh, as a pandemic, I have a kid in a uh, kid eight years old and nine years old, two kids. And I, one of the goals as this all started to kick in and society sort of started to crumble uh, was I, I wanted them to I wanted to try to do everything I could to make them see this period as a good time as a positive to, to try to figure out how to 
clearly shield them from all of the terrible things happening, but also try to see it through their eyes. They don't know what's going on all over the world and they don't know all the tragedy. They only know that, you know, they were home with mom and dad a heck of a lot more. And we had a lot of fun times and we went to the park all the time. And I think like what you're talking about here is. And, and the book does this as well, is looking to those, you know, times when, when times are the darkest and being able to pull a lesson or a, something that, that can take you out of that for your, the rest of your days. And that's very difficult to do, but really important to do, too. Yes. And I think that all of the stories, the common thread through them is all of these people have gone through extraordinary challenges and come out on the other side wanting to be another, a better person or do something wonderful uh, in spite of what's happened uh, in their lives. And I think you're absolutely right. When I look back on the pandemic, obviously there's been so much loss for our family, for millions of other families. We've been quarantined. We haven't been able to do much, but it's those little things. I write about, um, we got to ride our bikes and I haven't ridden a bike in decades. <laughs> and for my 50th birthday, I, uh, my biggest present from that, what I, what I wanted the most was a bicycle so I can ride through the neighborhood with my family. And I got that bicycle and I write about that. And it was moments where we're all on a patch of grass, you know, in a town over from ours, having a picnic after riding our bikes and, and sitting down on a blanket and realizing this is a really special moment. And it didn't, take a plane ride to Hawaii or, um, you know, a, a, a big plan to have this special moment with our families. And if we can take just that out of this long year that we've had and realize that we've become closer to people, even though we've been socially distancing, then that's a huge life lesson for all of us. Uh, you mentioned getting a bike for your 50th birthday, but that's just a small part of that story. I mean, you kind of had, you know, the big American extravaganza planned. You were about to go on this dream sort of birthday getaway uh, and all that kind of just went away. Right. I was supposed to have my 50th birthday in Vegas with a bunch of girlfriends and we were going to whoop it up. I had a sparkly dress and we were going to stay at the Bellagio and have a big dinner, a big 50th birthday dinner. And of course, all of that came to a crashing halt with the pandemic. But my wonderful husband knew those plans were going to be canceled, but wanted to make my 50th birthday special. So he brought Vegas to my living room mm. and I went to sleep the night before and I woke up to a big banner of Las Vegas and a roulette table on my dining room table and balloons and cards all over the place. And he planned a, a big car parade. You know, everybody was doing this if they had celebrations. He called friends and neighbors and they got in their cars and they drove around the block and even the the neighbor uh fire fire truck and the and the police department our small little town police department were honking horns and blaring lights and it was just it was the best birthday i've ever had so it just goes to show you that you know we're adaptable as human beings and 
I'm a really lucky lady to have a husband like that. <laughs> First of all, I mean, your husband's making us all look bad, which is just, I mean, <laughs> it's, come on. I mean, that's just unfair. Uh, but I will say my, my daughter, who, uh, who her birthday is actually the same birthday as, uh, as I have, February 9th. And um, because crazy stuff was going on at the time, I had a bunch of travel planned. We had delayed her birthday a few weeks, um, which wound up not being a great thing in 2020 as we got into the pandemic. And, you know, we didn't know when this thing was going to end. We eventually had to do like one of these sort of drive through uh, birthday parties. It was kind of in the, the peak of everything. And it was interesting in that, like, you see it through her eyes and she didn't look at this as this terrible thing. And she lost out on a birthday party. My wife and I were, were feeling that the whole time. Like, I can't believe we can't give this to her. Look at all these things we can't do with her. That's not how she saw it at all. She was able to make her own sunshine from that moment and really looks back at it as a great birthday party. And I feel like there is something as terrible as this last year has been. There is something I think that has connected Americans with that sort of, uh, that that idea, uh, that, that, that thing that is more important than the trips to Vegas or the big fancy birthday parties. Absolutely. And I've been covering good news stories for a long time. And I will say I saw more kindness and humanity and people wanting to do things for others during this time of a pandemic than ever before. And, you know, just talking to some of these people, I think they felt the same way that we all are connected, even when we are socially distant. And I hope that we can take that uh, and remember that. I think you're right. You know, there, there's definitely this has been a really tough year on so many levels, but I've gotten so much closer to my family. You know, I've been at home for a year now and I've been doing my weather from upstairs from a spare bedroom. <laughs> and that has been awesome because I usually don't see my kids in the morning and I'll be doing the weather and all of a sudden my boys will get up and they're all sleepy and they're in their jammies and they'll come in and be like, hi mom, you doing the weather? I mean, I'm going to remember that for the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's so true. Um, you know, it's funny cause, uh, you, you talk about a lot, a lot of the book does revolve around family as you'd expect. And as a dad of, of, of particularly two, you know, two young kids, but a daughter, um, you know, you have a chapter in here about the father-daughter dance. And of course, just that just, destro- I mean, it's unfair. It destroys you as a father to hear, to listen to it. But it's such a great story. Can you tell people about it? Oh, that story. Uh, you know, it's funny. I ask people who have read the book what their favorite stories are, and everybody comes out with a different story, which I absolutely mm. love. So the father-daughter dance Um this wonderful uh, young lady who uh, lives in Utah, she was getting married and her dad had died years earlier. So she realized she wasn't going to be walked down the aisle the traditional way or have that traditional father-daughter dance. And she has uh, several brothers who decided that they were going to make something special for her on her special day. And I don't want to give too much away, but let's just say they brought their dad back in a wonderful way that surprised uh, the bride and brought tears to everyone's eyes. Um, and you're right, it, 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 man, it, it will put you in a puddle of tears, but you'll also realize that good things can happen even when tragedy 
strikes. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that's a beautiful story. And I love that you brought that up because, you know, every interview that I do, someone brings up a different story. And uh, and that one was certainly special. Yeah, that one's rough to listen to as a dad, I got to say. But it was a great one. It was a great story. Um, you, you actually have some stuff in there about Tim Tebow as well. You have a chapter in there about Tim Tebow. He's mentioned in another story as well. Um, you know, t- Tim Tebow is kind of seen in, I don't know, mainstream culture as somewhat of a, I don't know, divisive figure in some way. He was very controversial because he was, he kind of, you know, was able to, he was constantly focused on making his faith sort of out front. Um, I don't understand why that was controversial per se, um, but is how important is faith in going through a tough time like this? I mean, is it, not everyone has faith, but it is, I feel like it does make things easier when you're going through a struggle. I agree a hundred percent. We have found our faith uh, stronger than ever uh, through this pandemic. Um, you know, we're Catholics uh, and I found our church and really, you know, after Sean's parents died, I received these beautiful prayer cards. I received, you know, just blessings from strangers. Um, our church help, you know, reached out, other parishes reached out and said, we're going to honor your husband's parents. It was this wonderful um, outpouring of faith and prayers. And, and, and that really helped us through such a dark time. And it was, for us, it was, it was great to be able to bring faith into this, to tell our kids there's a higher power. Mickey and Dee, Sean's parents are together and they're not, you know, they're not hurting anymore. They're not in pain anymore. Mm -hmm. And they're surrounded by love and other angels. Tim Tebow um, made me just realize that there are people on this earth that are put on this earth to do good for others. And he is one of those people. I felt like a changed person after I met him. The fact that he has the Tim Tebow Foundation and does things for children and families. Um, His family are a family of missionaries. Uh, They go all over the the world to help, um, you know, people in need and feed the hungry. And that's when he changed. He, he went on a trip with them and, uh, and saw a young boy who was deformed and was basically, you know, treated terribly uh, by the, the tribe that he was in and basically left to die mm. um, because he didn't look like everyone else. And that affected Tim Tebow and said for the rest of his days, you know, he is going to make sure that he helps those people because we're all God's creatures and we all should be treated the same way. Um, and there's there's one moment where he tells me one of his favorite things to do is to go to jails and meet with criminals, uh, men who have no value to many people. And he goes in there and tells them, you still have value to me. And I, I mean, I just... Um, He's a tremendous human being. He really is. And I wasn't going to write about celebrities in this book. It was all going to be just normal people, everyday people doing great things for others. Um, But he had to be in there because he is truly uh, an individual that... um, that spreads sunshine everywhere he goes. Yeah, he really has been is an incredible guy, and throughout all the stuff he's gone through, has has really been consistent uh, to make sure that faith is really out front on that one. And I think it's 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 really interesting. Um, going through your book, you see a lot of stories of people who had really tough things happen to them, and they would come through it with a, an important lesson or something that um, they took from it for the rest of their life. There's other stories in there, and the one that comes to mind is Forever Dad, 
where it's just someone who's doing something so amazing that I almost can't even put myself in their place, right? Like someone who would dedicate their, their, their lives to others in a way that seems almost superhuman uh, in my mind. Can you talk about uh, Forever Dad a little bit? Guy Bryant, uh, he's amazing. What an individual. He basically has been a foster dad uh, to dozens of young men. Um, and that's why he calls himself and the other people call him, uh, the forever dad, because he's been doing it for so long. He still has foster, foster kids. And that, you know, that is his mission in life is to take you older kids off the streets. Um, you know, he talks about that, that everybody wants the babies, you know, that everybody wants to foster the, the little children. Um, and the, the older ones are kind of left behind and, and don't get, uh, the real love and, uh, care that they also deserve. Um, so he, you know, he tells me stories of how proud he is of all of the, the young men that he has taken care of over the years. And he, he says that every single one of them has a key to his home. Um, and that just, it brings a tear to your eye. He considers all of them, his, his boys and his family. And I got to talk to one of his, um, foster kids. Um, and he was just, he was just so, um, he had so many wonderful words for this man and how he helped shape his life and, and how he is successful because of Guy. So, Oh, what an amazing uh, person Guy Bryant is. And, and he deserves to be, uh, you know, he deserves everyone to know about him and what he's done in his legacy. Really cool. It's a great book. It's really an inspiring book. Let me, let me just talk to the people here real quick. Look, you know Mother's Day is around the corner. You know you're going to screw it up and you're going to get flowers at the last second. Don't let that happen. This is a perfect book for that mom in your life. Make your own sunshine. Inspiring stories of people who find light in dark times. Mother's Day is around the corner. Get it today and, and brighten someone's life in this, in this time that's been just a little too dark, but there are those really bright moments and you've highlighted a, a bunch of them in a great way. Janice Dean, thank you so much for coming on and, and the book is fantastic. Congratulations. I love that you read this book. <laughs> You're amazing, Stu. You know, I got to just say a lot of interviews. I mean, they kind of flip through it and I know that they like it. And this, sometimes you just don't have time. But I think the fact that you read it like warms my heart. And I just I just love you, my friend. Thank you. Uh, we you. love you, too. And, and thank you so much for doing this. I will tell you, it's 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 like it's it, it's nice. It's it's fun to read. It's enjoyable to read. And it makes you forget sometimes that you're that the things that are going on aren't always so great. So I it was a it was a really nice, uh, nice, nice time to be able to get out of the mode of the news and the stuff that we do around here every day. So thank you so much, Janice. We appreciate it. Best compliment ever. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> All right. Talk to you soon. Back in a second. Okay. So if you're a Google Maps user, you're going to want to know about this. They've got some new features going on, like augmented reality when you're walking through an airport where you can kind of see which way you're going to get to a certain airline or whatever. Some of it will be pretty cool. However, this feature is absolutely awful, which is they will now default to you getting the green route to your location instead of the fast route. Yeah, 
when they're close to each other, they're going to say, ah, you shouldn't go the fastest way by default. You should go the greenest way to lower your fuel uh, emissions. And they will also now warn you if you're going into a low emissions zone where high emissions vehicles are not allowed, which are these things are popping up all over the world now. Not quite here yet. A scary future and shockingly Google's involved. Back in a second. You know, you should probably be listening to podcasts. I don't know if I've told you this. Podcasts like Stu Does America, for example. I mean, that sounds like a great podcast to listen to. But how will you get this noise into your ears? You need to have Raycons. Why? Raycons cost like half the price of the uh, Apple earbuds and all these other big expensive brands. They sound just as good, if not better. And I will tell you, I've got my Raycons right here. Uh, I have them like with me all the time. Uh, the, the great thing about Raycons, you pop them in your ear and uh, they fit flush. They're flush near. There's no little dangly thing below. You can put your head down on a pillow, listen to music or a podcast or an audiobook as you go to bed. They're fantastic. Raycon's offering 15% off all of their products for my listeners right now. You got to go to buyraycon.com slash stew. That's it. 15% off your order right now. Go to buyraycon.com slash stew. B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N.com slash stew. 15% off now. Happy to welcome back to the program host of Blaze TV's The News and Why It Matters as well as host of Sarah Gonzalez Unfiltered on YouTube, which you should, of course, obviously be subscribed to. What are you nuts? What are you doing with your life? Sarah Gonzalez, thank you for coming on the program. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is uh, it's been an interesting week. We've had the <laughs> yeah. Joe Biden apparently is, is out of the basement now. I, I, he's all, all of a sudden making speeches everywhere. Yeah, well, I wouldn't say everywhere. Mm. I would say he is actually entering some sort of public sphere. We are seeing, we are making, we are seeing sightings. The yeah. rare Joe Biden sighting. Yeah, it almost feels like we have a president right now. Now, no. I don't think that's good because yeah. he's doing terrible things with that power. Yeah, yeah. But it does feel like he's actually the president of the United States right now. We certainly have a placeholder <laughs> in Joe Biden. We certainly have a placeholder. Who it is that's pulling the strings, I'm not sure. But yes, he is coming out, actually doing things, as you pointed out. Not something we want him to be doing. We do want him to go back in the basement. <laughs> yeah. As For as long as he wants, as long as he needs, eat lots of pudding and don't do anything. Yeah, this is kind of why I wanted the impeachment to be drawn out for like a year. <laughs> yeah. Just like, I, you know, there are a lot of really need Congress yeah, doing we just anything. Don't do things, please. Yeah. Uh, we talked a little bit about this on News and Why It Matters. Pat and I are on every Thursday with you. And uh, it, it, the speech was legitimately terrible. Yeah. I, I mean, there was all sorts of lies and misstatements and screw ups. I don't know what the AFT is, but it was there. <laughs> he apparently doesn't like want, want anyone praying anymore. Uh, it's, it was enough. A, Enough, enough prayers. <laughs> it was a very strange uh, pitch. Yeah. But overall, I mean, this is a real threat to the Second Amendment. Yeah, it is. I mean, I will say it shouldn't come as a shock to anyone who was paying attention to all of the rhetoric that not just him, but, you know, Kamala and the rest of the Democrat Party have been saying this entire time throughout the campaign season. I know that there were a lot of people who, you know, you couldn't you couldn't stomach the the tweets. You couldn't stomach the Trump tweets. Mm -hmm. I get it. Yeah. He's, you know, brash. I get it. Mm -hmm. 
However, this was something that a lot of us kept saying was, yeah. right, but don't be surprised when they come for the Second Amendment because they have made it very, very clear that that is at the top of their list. And so now we're seeing it. I mean, we're seeing him, uh, the man that he nominated to lead uh, the, the AFT, of course. The AFT, the is, AFT. Yeah, is not who you would call a, a, an unbiased person when it comes to guns. It's also not someone who you would call like a, a, an expert. No, he seems like he's an anti-gun expert. Yeah, he's been serving on all these Bloomberg groups. He he seems to be wrong on a lot of things that are very basic about the Second Amendment, which is a little scary. Well, and for as much as they call us conspiracy theorists on the right, he's like throwing out all these wild conspiracy theories about what happened in Waco yes. a long time ago. So not the person you want leading the, of course, uh, newly named a AFT. AFT, uh, the Alcohol, Firearms and Tobacco. Yes, uh, that's a very big thing and we have to know about it. <laughs> um, what, so we're, the response to this seems to be red states passing these sanctuary state laws. I think, I think Texas did it. Uh, Arizona is a recent one that did it. How do you feel about these, uh, these rules? I mean, my, my initial impression is to love them, yeah. right? On the other hand, like I kind of fought against the sanctuary city thing when it was going on for immigration. Where, where do you land on this? Yes, I, and I, I don't disagree with you there. However, I mean, when it comes to immigration, that that is the sanctuary cities are there to prevent people from enforcing the law mm. right here you're you have to file as a sanctuary state to make sure that we are enforcing the law because <laughs> right. the the second amendment it's like that's pretty it's pretty straightforward yeah uh, really shall not straightforward. be infringed mm -hmm. Uh, so I think that that's the main difference for me is just if you have to if you have to announce that you're a sanctuary state, a sanctuary city, what have you, you're saying I'm a sanctuary from the government screwing you guys over. Right. The sanctuary state in this case is reinforcing the right. law right. Uh, of the land, which yeah. is the Second Amendment, where a sanctuary city is kind of doing the opposite. It's right. saying we're not going to enforce the law at all. Yeah. 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 I, 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 that's I, I can go with that. Yeah. I want to go You're there welcome. anyway. So I, I'm going to go with it. <laughs> I like welcome. that idea. OK. Uh, before you go, because uh, we have these are important things, but there's much more important things yes. today. We have a big announcement for you. This is big. It's big. It's been a while. But Sarah Gonzalez will be returning for the brand new 250th anniversary episode of the Power Hour. Yes. If you remember, <laughs> yes, we did it for 100 episodes. We are now going to do it for the 250th episode, which I think was this week. It's going to be, by the way, a week from today. It's happening uh, right after this program on YouTube only. Sarah Gonzalez will be there. Chad Prather will be there. We have a whole cast and crew. This is going to be wild. Do you remember the format of this at all? Well, I'm, I think I'm the only one who remembers the <laughs> format of it. You guys don't remember no, anything. I don't remember anything. Of course I remember it. So it's one shot of beer per minute yes. for an hour. Yes. And Which people don't realize is a lot of freaking beer. It happens. It doesn't feel like it's going to hit it's you. It's a lot. They're does. like, oh, one shot per minute for an hour, just one shot. And it's like, no, that's like, what, seven and a half beers in it's, an hour? It's seven and a half beers in an hour. That's painful. And it's just drinking a shot of beer never seems like it's going to do anything. <laughs> but it does but. Uh, if you do it enough times in a row. Yeah. Now, are you going to be drinking with us this time? Last time you were pregnant, could not come along. Yes. And now I'm excited for you to kind of be on the, the ridiculous side of this as you will be able to drink the shots Indulge. of beer with us. Uh, well, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, I don't know that I'm going to drink the shots of beer with you. We need someone to hold the fort down, right? That's why you have me. Well, you were the sober designated driver host last time. Yeah, so... So why, this time you don't need to, though. You're, you're now, you've already had the baby. You, you're free to 
I hang out with us. My, and... I, I may be pregnant again or something. I don't know. I got to be careful. Wow, big news. Uh, Aaron Gonzalez going for another one. Who knew? Uh, no, I mean, I think, honestly, you'd get through about 12 minutes before you died. I, w- I would really die. Really... I know. That's what well, someone was, yeah. was giving me a hard time about the first time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, you don't understand. I would literally die. Yeah, that's... Which, you know. It's pretty close. I mean, well, seven and a half beers in an hour is hard. Look how it's Chad for, took it. Yeah, Chad. <laughs> we have to hammer Chad this week yeah. uh, as, as the lead up to this thing because Chad, who is, I mean, he's supposed to be the cowboy, right? Yeah. He's supposed to be the tough guy. He's the hardcore. He's the hardcore guy. Drinker. I'll throw back a hundred. I'm a comedian. <laughs> I'm a musician. I'll throw back a hundred drinks. No one can drink me under the table. And then he's ducked behind the curtains, vomiting Blech. into a trash can in the middle of the show. It really happened. <laughs> it really did. <laughs> it was such a yeah. mess. So, you know, if it happened to Chad, mm-hmm. you do. No one would want to see what would happen to me if I had to go through that. That's so, yeah. That's fair because we've been talking about who's going to come on with us. We knew right. you're going to be back. Yeah. We knew Chad was going to be back. Uh, we're we're going to try to bring some of the old crew. We haven't uh, confirmed everybody yet, but there are people tossing around. And this is completely sexist, but I'm just going to say it anyway. We're people crossing around women as part of the uh, part of the panel. And I can't do that. It's sexist. But like, I mean, I feel like they die and I don't want to kill anyone. I mean, well, unless you got like a WNBA player, maybe who is really, really tall, really big. Maybe we could just do an open invite to all WNBA players. Whoever wants to come down and be yeah. part of the power hour, you're more than welcome. I mean, and I, I mean, as an added bonus, mm-hmm. way more people watch Dude as America than watch any <laughs> WNBA games. That's very true. So they'd get the exposure. That's very true. And they will get uh, equal pay with everyone else. Zero dollars. Zero. Zero dollars. So they will get that. <laughs> free beer. And free beer. Lots of beer. Uh, this is going to be fun. I think now the one thing I will say after sobering up last time, I did go back and watch the 100th anniversary power hour. We were a little sloppy, it, I will say. It was good TV. It was, <laughs> it was about 20 to, people don't understand, it's so hard to, to do this. It, it just gets progressively more <laughs> difficult as you go. Yeah. So it gets very difficult by the end um, to ha- answer coherent questions. And we, we, we kind of went off the rails pretty early yes. last time. You, I would say as that. the pseudo sober uh, designated driver, Yes. You're just you're a buzz driver in this one. <laughs> Maybe drinking some wine or something. Yeah. Um, how are you going to keep this in line? Do you have a is there a strategy? Should we maybe get questions and topics from the audience? What do you think? This I time? actually think that's a great idea. Mm. I think the more we can plan, uh, the better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so if the audience could, we could get some audience participation going. Yeah. Get some, you know, what they want to hear from you guys. Maybe they also have some fun drinking games to play. Yes, we I need to know. we need to bring them on yeah. too. Uh, yes, I like that. So. And maybe we can uh, have people drinking along with us. Maybe we can get I don't know. We we could do all sorts. of it's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, and this is if you're talking about politics and you're this drunk, you'll know what it was like to be John Boehner when he was Speaker of the House. Uh, so it, <laughs> it's an extra bonus. It is an extra bonus. You're welcome, you guys. Uh, I'm really excited about this. It's going to be fun. I'm so glad you're coming yes. back. Yeah, um, it is the Studios America 250th anniversary, <laughs> which means we've had 250 episodes. 250 anniversary power hour. It's Friday, April 16th, 9 p.m. Eastern, only on the YouTube channel. Uh, Stu Does America, make sure you go and subscribe now so you don't miss it. We'll make sure to send out an alert to everybody. Click the little bell up there so you get the alerts. I mean, because YouTube makes this very difficult. Uh, The same thing goes, of course, for Sarah Gonzalez Unfiltered. 
uh, I think that's your name, uh, a host Did of Did you Blaze start the power hour early? Yes, I am a little drunk right now. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's Friday. What can you do? Um, Blaze TV's uh, News and Wise Matters, of course, she's the host, and Sarah Gonzalez Unfiltered is the channel on YouTube. Uh, make sure to subscribe and click the little bell for all the notifications. Sarah? I'm ready for this. It's going to be fun. It's going to be really fun. I, uh, you know what? It's going to be good TV. We're all going to make it out alive. Yes. That's my prediction. In theory. <laughs> in theory. Let's not make big promises we okay. can't keep. Right. Sarah, thanks for coming on. We will be back in a second. Thanks. Thank you for hanging around to the last segment of the show. You're one of the cool kids now. You're in the cool kids club, and we really appreciate that. Make sure to click on the uh, Instagram page and follow me there. The link in the bio will bring you wherever you need to go. Uh, before we leave, going to remind you, next week, right after our show, the 250th anniversary Power Hour special, Sarah Gonzalez will be there, Chad Prather will be there, and others. If you missed the announcement earlier, you don't want to miss this show. Last time it was ridiculous, and this is promising to be even crazier. We'll see you next week.